coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. And it was my gut microbiome that was destroyed very early on, like I said, from antibiotics. And growing up in the 80s, I mean, we were handed them like they were candy, right? In the 80s and the 90s, it's just like, oh, here, take an antibiotic for this, take an antibiotic for this. And it messed up our gut microbiome. And then I ended up having, like I said, a lot of food intolerances and histamine issues. And I was eating two foods at one point because my body just did not want to digest things. Mm. And it is literally the core of our existence, though. If your gut microbiome is unhealthy, you are not going to be healthy. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed health and wellness expert and functional wellness coach, Lynn Rivers. We discussed her steps to go from chronic illness to vibrant wellness, along with shifting your mindset to get optimal results, issues with antibiotics on gut health, Lynn's daily routines to staying in alignment, tips to make 2024 your best year, and her one tip to get your body back to what it once was. Really enjoyed my interview with Lynn. I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin, and I have Lynn Rivers on. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, all the way from San Diego. Yes. So, I'm, a bit, <laughs> I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> Should be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, well, I'm able that I'm glad that we're able to connect. Um, and before we get into, I know you've been in health and wellness for quite a while now. Uh, maybe before we get into that, um, perhaps give a little background of what, what sort of led you down this path. Yeah, absolutely. So it was kind of, it felt like it wasn't my choice. (laughs) It felt very divinely guided. Um, I had chronic illness, the majority of my childhood, I had asthma, was in the hospital with pneumonia multiple times as a kid. And that kind of just spanned out across the rest of my life into hormonal issues and digestive disorders and mental disorders and a bunch of other things that just kind of cascaded from being sick as a child and being put on so much, you know, so many antibiotics and medications. And there was that aspect. And then the other side was that the majority of my family died before I was 15 years old Mm. from many different forms of cancers, heart disease, you name it. And my dad died of, he was 56 when he died and he died of lung issues. And It was just kind of this overwhelming sense of illness that I was surrounded with the majority of my life. Mm. And so when my mom died, when I was 15, she died of colon cancer. And that was kind of my first thought process of why is this happening and what can I do about it? And of course, at that age, it was more geared towards how can I make sure that that doesn't happen to me? But then as my mind progressed, it, it became more of like, realizing the epidemic of chronic conditions that were happening and wanting to really take it forward in a completely different way that people are being offered. You know, you the work that I do, you're not going to find in the Western medical system. And that is where I kept getting sick. And so I really stepped outside of that and found my way into holistic nutrition, functional medicine. I did Reiki, massage therapy, 
yoga therapies, counseling, <laughs> like I went down every avenue to learn as much as I could about being human and what it means to be healthy and well and helping people to find that. And when did you start getting into that? How long ago was that? Oh man, <laughs> I, it's been about 20 years since I started school. So wow. I've been, it's like a good 15 years of education along with life experience of healing myself. So yeah, it's been, it's been a good chunk of time. <laughs> and through all those sort of like, um, uh, practices, did you land somewhere? Have you found yourself? Cause like, I'm the somewhat of the same way. I didn't go through like every you know little thing quite like you did, but, um, you sort of, sort of test out, find what works and sort of stick with it. Was there something that you sort of landed on recently? Yeah, it's the functional medicine aspect. Um, really finding the root cause of illness that obviously stood out to me because I, I wanted to know why was I getting sick and how could I actually heal my body so it's not all of these different symptoms that were, you know, throwing at people. And I think it came to that when I, I mean, I went into every modality and I was like, oh yeah, this is great, but it just doesn't feel like, it's not what I want to do long-term. I, I used like massage therapy for, I think two years. <laughs> and I was like, this is enough of that. And I did not actually, I found very late in my journey that I did not like working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. It didn't feel like that was my niche, if you will, or, you know, like I, I just felt like I needed to do more and reach a higher volume of people with this information in order to get the most value for what I wanted to share. And so I found it in doing courses, um, really using all of this information to put courses together where people can come and get the information that they need to heal without having to spend thousands of dollars and, you know, actually being able to learn about their body. That's where I was just like, it clicked. I was like, oh my God, this is it. I'm, I'm a teacher. And so how can I teach on a mass scale? That's where I found my like go-to space. Okay. And I know you mentioned you have a recent course coming out. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. So quickly. Um, it's, I created a course that is based off of all of the 15 years of education that I, and research that I have behind functional medicine and how the body operates and why we have so many chronic health conditions at this time in our existence and mental health disorders why they're happening and what people can do to actually heal instead of going in and getting, you know, medication after medication and really just suppressing the, the root of their disease and healing. And so they, they can come to this course and it is, I stand behind it 100%. Just every piece of information that you need to know why we're so sick talks about insulin resistance, diabetes, chronic illnesses, food intolerances, the whole nine yards. It's just, it's something for everyone. You, it, any person can walk into this course and take away at least one thing that they have not known before. Mm, very cool. Yeah. And I know that's coming out soon. So look, look out for that, right? What's the name of the course called? Yeah. So the course is actually called Chronic Illness to Vibrant Wellness. And it's currently in its pre-launch phase, which I have super low for people to get into because I really want it to be accessible to everyone across the board not just people who can spend thousands of dollars to get this information. Okay. Yeah. Great. We'll yeah. put, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes for that. Yeah. Thank you. And what would you say, what are some of the big takeaways from the course that people perhaps could take the action uh, after listening to the podcast? 
Oh, I mean, right away, I actually have people who jumped into the the pre-launch very early on and I gave them a few tips and there are people who were having lung issues, for example, and I gave them a few tips in there, you know, through supplementation just to get the process moving in their body. One woman started supplementing with a product that I suggested and within two days, her congestion that she had been dealing with for months was gone. And so there's there's little tips that people are going to walk away from where they can add something in as simple as a supplement that will help them start the journey of feeling better. So then they can actually venture into deep healing, you know, doing the deep rooted healing. And there's also little takeaways where people are going to learn about micro shifts and just taking small steps forward in order to reach the their end goal of what they consider perfect health, because I think a lot of times people want to jump full in like, oh, I'm just going to go do all of this at once. And they realize how traumatic that can feel. And then they just quit. So I give people step-by-step increments where they can learn something from day one, rather it's a mental awareness because I, I teach a course in there where it's about mindset and how mindset is 90% of your healing journey. You have to be in the mindset of healing in order to actually get there. So within the first lesson, you're learning how to shift your your neurological system and rewiring and reprogramming and and so it's they can take away something right off the bat and that's what i love about the micro shifts and sharing that with people and giving them a new way to learn yeah i i talk a lot about like you call it micro shifts but uh, i call it maybe like uh mic like my step ladder like i have a book called the step ladder system which is like step by oh. yeah step by step approach for individuals to get their health in order. And I do think that's so, yeah, I think that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It can be really, really traumatic on the body when you just like start going hard, you know, hardcore into all of the different modalities and all the supplements and your body's like, Hey, like I'm not ready for this. Well, so. and also too, I think you can get results by just taking small steps. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. need to do it all at once. And like you said, a lot of times if people just over overwhelm themselves trying to do everything, like we got the new year here. So everyone's, you know, I, I, I went to the gym yes. yesterday. I'm like, God, it's super crowded. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, it's the new year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's, you know, jumping in and which is great, but the, the key is consistency. I've, I've talked about this so much, right? Yes, I actually was on a podcast yesterday where that was our first conversation about how people tend to wait for a time to start instead of just taking micro shifts now, right? Like don't wait till the new year to start these things. Start them when you feel it. Start them when you get the information. And I think it it prevents a lot of failure because there are going to be, unfortunately, a lot of people in your gym, for example, who they signed up and they're just going to go hardcore and it's going to be this like, oh, well, it's a new year. I'm going to do this but then they tend to fall off quickly because they push themselves to a certain point and too, too quickly. And so it's like, if you can just like give yourself the space, go 20 minutes a day for at first, you know, it's just the small steps are going to really take you so far. And I love that. I love that you brought that up. Yeah, And I, I brought up, uh, I just, I do like a micro podcast and I talked about a book called the slight edge. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, no. by J- Jeff by Jeff Olson definitely a fan if you like like le- learning about just like mindset and like growth and he talks a lot about a lot of people want to go from like pa- planting to like harvesting exactly right <laughs> yes a, and he's like no they have to plant which mm-hmm. you know and then cultivate which mm-hmm. is that consistency over time and then the harvest can come so yeah anyway. it's not like planting corn and then next day where is it <laughs> 
<laughs> Show me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, what kind of um, impact has like getting into all these different modalities had on your life? Um, perhaps maybe talk. I know I've listened to you on some podcasts. You talk a lot about mindset and like um, even like uh, surrendering and things like that. I, I find I found interesting. Perhaps what what has changed in your life and you know mindset wise that has sort of uh, you know made the biggest impact for you. You know, uh, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about surrounding this, I'm really thankful that you said this, is that with mindset, the way you talk about what you're trying to overcome is so much of how you're going to heal. Because there was a point in my life when things were just constantly, I was dying at the same time that my partner was diagnosed with colon cancer who ended up dying. Mm. And during that time, I was just in the thick of negativity. And I, everything I talked about was I'm dealing with this and this is happening and all of this, and my body's doing this. And I realized how it was not only affecting myself, but other people around me and how it just became this like realization of, oh my God, nobody wants to hear the things that are going wrong in my life. And I had to take that into myself and realize like I'm feeding myself everything that I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. And so when you're focusing on the things that are going wrong, I feel like nothing ever changes. You're going to be stuck in that space as long as you continue to just focus on what's not going right. And when you can take that focus and switch it to things that are going well in your life, because I guarantee you there's something going great for you, regardless of how much is going wrong, there's something going great. And when you can focus on those even the smallest moments, even if it's just your pillow or your dog, something beautiful, when you can start focusing on those and you start elevating your vibration, you can really start shifting into a space of hope in in, in some fashion, right? It's a sense of hope of, oh, things can feel better. And then you start realizing other things that are beautiful, like look out my window, look at this, something so simple, right? And just switching that small of a, a program can really shift your healing journey because you're you're realizing like oh I feel better today I feel like things are actually moving and you start noticing that and then those things just kind of start getting better and for me it's been that shift of really stepping into how I speak about what I was working through versus just giving it all away and like pushing that onto other people and that changed my life I mean that was the core of my evolution to healing and being in the the best version of myself because I was able to actually be patient with with things more. I was like, okay, this is feeling better. Now what's my next step? What what do I need to research next? What do I need to do next? And allowing things to come to me and take them in those moments when they actually showed up instead of just being like, oh no, this isn't going to work. And why would I be reading this anyway? Nothing's, you know, you know, mm -hmm. even just like stepping into that for a second, it changes a tone. And so I feel like the, the mindset shift really helped me be patient with the rest of my healing journey and understanding that it was going to take more time than just a few months, considering I had been dealing with most of them my entire life. And so it was that shift alone that really just hit home. Yeah. And I think that mindset and how you perceive yourself can go a long way because I think there's a lot of people who get into, let's just say, like yo-yo dieting where they get on something and off something or they, they end up putting back weight that they took off and, and this endless circle. And I think maybe that part of the reason that happens is the fact that they haven't 
they don't perceive themselves. They don't look at themselves any differently than they did when they were, let's say, I don't know, 50 pounds overweight. They still perceive themselves as that. Um, and they don't sort of make that mindset change. Yeah. Yeah. And that mindset change really trickles into every other aspect of your life too. Right. And I'm actually writing a book called your health sets the tone. And it's about that, where if you are not living in a healthy body and you don't have that mentality to match it, it trickles into every other aspect of your life. And it's, it's really, really powerful when you can actually see it and shift it. So. Yeah. You know, um, obviously as you get older, you sort of realize who you want to spend your time with. And I think that also can make a big impact on, Oh yeah. (laughs) on on how you do things. Uh, I always, I coach high school golf. And so I, you know, I I get to influence these kids for at least a couple months out of the year and and talk with them about, you know, who they're hanging around with and, and how that is going to play a role in, in, in how they sort of live their lives. And as they progress to college, um, I was lucky. I, I think I stuck with the right crew early on. Mm-hmm. I think that made a big impact. Um, and I think even nowadays, you know, it's like you can tell if, if you meet someone, you can sort of tell, is this someone that I really want to be around? Or is this like a, a negative Nancy that I really don't want to uh, spend my time with? So, yeah, yeah. And I think it's Im- important to understand the the fact of so you had this journey where you had people that you could grow with. I did not. So I had to cut people out of my life regularly when I realized like, okay, we're no longer growing together. It's time to step away. Whether it's friends or partners, it didn't matter. It was this recognition that I want to be up here. You're staying down here. That's not going to help me grow. Right. And so like actually being able to release those people and understand that it's for both of your best interests because it's going to just create a lot of negativity and yeah, I spend m- the majority of my time alone. <laughs> Hi, dogs. <laughs> oh, here come my um, dogs. They want. I saw them. How cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were in the back. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, so true. And I think like you might, for a lot of people, they don't realize or they, or they have a tough time cutting people out of their lives until they get necessarily older. Because, you know, when you're younger, I think it's just sometimes more difficult. I don't know what your mm-hmm. thoughts on that. Um, but Let's, yeah, I don't know if you want to comment on that or not. Is it t- how long it took you to sort of realize that? You know, I, because I grew up differently and I had to kind of start taking care of myself by the age of 15. My dad was an alcoholic. So once my mom died, I was just kind of like doing my own thing. And I think I was probably about 17 or 18 when I started having like conscious awareness that these people aren't really good for me to be around. And I did start shifting, but then I'd end up in another group. And it would be the same dynamic. And I'd have to be like, okay, this is not where I want to continue being, continue shifting. But it really took hold in my late 20s, where I just, I started feeling the anxiety of being around certain people. And that anxiety was like the push out quick, right? It really taught me like, you don't have to stay here longer than, you know, because before it'd be like a year and then I'd be out. But um, it would be like a couple months in and be like, oh, no, this is too, this has been too long. <laughs> you know, let me let me shift out of this quicker. And now I, I spend the majority of my time alone because I I don't resonate with the majority of people. I have a very select few group of friends and we do grow together and we do elevate each other. And it took me a long time to get there, though. Like I said, late 20s, early 30s is when I really set that foundation of this is what I expect from people. And if it doesn't match this, it does not need to be in my life. And it's not a judgment. It's just a preference of what I I want in my life and what I want to see myself elevate to. 
And so, yeah, I just took those steps. And I think it is a question that if kids could start asking early on, like, hey, this kid is not doing well in school. He's messing around. He's causing issues. Is this going to help me become a better person? And if you, if kids could start asking that earlier on, my God, the, the things that they could do earlier without having to go through all of the struggle <laughs> of, you know, navigating it would be beautiful. Was there someone that influenced you uh, in, a, in a positive manner or someone that you talked to throughout this process? No, no, okay. I, no, I never <laughs> had the role model. I was kind of pushed on a very solo journey very early mm-hmm. on. And I just did a lot of reading. I read everything that I could get my hands on. I wanted to learn more about myself. It helped having a near-death experience very early on in life for me to like start asking bigger questions. Because when I came back from that experience, I did not see the world the same. And so it really made me think like, who am I? And what am I sharing in this world? And how do I want to show up? And so it just really, that was kind of like, what was the near? Was it the get almost get? Did you get struck by lightning? Is that what? Or I was going to ask you about that, but I don't know if that was the near death experience. I would assume I it was. Al- <laughs> I almost got struck by lightning oh. once, but that was not it. No, okay. I. So I had two when I was a baby from pneumonia, and those were very early on. But then I almost died while my organs were shutting down at the same time that my partner oh. was diagnosed with cancer. And then I had my last one was a ruptured appendix and I was out for quite some time with that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first one is the one that really just like, I I just came back in with this, like, ah, like the world is not what I think it is. And it's not so black and white. Like I get to create what I want. And that's when it just like suddenly clicked, like, what am I feeding myself? What am I watching on TV? Who am I hanging out with? And it just it just kind of naturally came in. It wasn't someone that was like working with me or anything. It was just like this divine guidance, if you will. Yeah. And I would say to most people, like that would be difficult, right? Doing it on your own. I always, you know, for, you know, for me, you know, I was fortunate. I would talk to my dad a lot, you know, had someone to to communicate, um, you know, if, you know, if you're questioning certain things or, if you're unsure um, and want to grow or just, you know, so I was blessed with that, but doing it on your own, I'm sure wasn't easy. No, I didn't, I didn't sign up for the easy path. I can tell from this. Yeah. For, yeah. You know, um, but you've come stronger from it. Um, of course. And uh, I noticed uh, from your background, microbiome therapy I wanted mm-hmm. to touch a little bit on that. I, we we all we do talk on this podcast a lot about gut health, um, but what what are the type of? I'm sure that's in your course as well. But what type it of is. things do do you speak on regarding um, uh, gut health? Well, the the premise of it is our gut is really the center of our existence, right? When you really think about the core existence, and mm. we have destroyed our gut microbiomes as a society. We have diminish the nutrients in our soils. You know, we're not getting the natural probiotics and the prebiotics that we would tend to get from just eating healthy food from the ground. And when our gut microbiome is in dysbiosis, when it's not in balance, it can create so many symptoms and so many diseases to the point where we're looking at it at this moment of like 85% of disease can be linked back to gut dysbiosis. And they're looking, I I say there, they, as in micro microbiome therapists and 
um, microbiologist and the whole nine yards of that realm, they're looking at the next 10 years having probiotics that will help people overcome Alzheimer's. And to that extent, that is how our gut microbiome affects us. And it was my gut microbiome that was destroyed very early on, like I said, from antibiotics and growing up in the eighties, I mean, we were handing them like they were candy, right? In the eighties and the nineties, it's just like, oh, here, take an antibiotic for this, take an antibiotic for this. And it messed up our gut microbiome. And then I ended up having, like I said, a lot of food intolerances and histamine issues. And I was eating two foods at one point because my body just did not want to digest things. Mm. And it is literally the core of our existence though. If your gut microbiome is unhealthy, you are not going to be healthy. And you can really tell if a person is doing well, I can tell by their skin if their gut microbiome is on par or their weight or their mental state. And you can really just tell these, tell these things super simply by examining a person, looking at their eyes, their teeth, their mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's all because of our gut microbiome, you know, and how it affects the rest of our body. Now I wanted to ask you, I'm a big routine guy. What types of routines do you implement into your life? Uh, Maybe like a morning, do you have a morning, evening uh, that sort of sets you on the right path? So my biggest thing is making sure I get enough sleep. Sleep, I mean, that is amazing for every aspect of our body, right? So if I I try to go to bed around 10 o'clock, I like being up early. If I do not sleep well and I have the room in the morning, I will allow myself to sleep until my body is ready to wake up. I have an internal alarm system. If I want to wake up at 6.30, I can say, hey, wake me up at 6.30. It'll Mm -hmm. happen. However, I'm like, body, if you need more sleep, sleep until you're ready to wake up, right? And I give myself that space to make sure I have enough rest. That's like my absolute, because if I don't feel good, if I'm not energized, I'm not going to get anything done throughout the day that I really want to do. And other than that, it's being active. I climb, I do pickleball, I play volleyball. I do things that are fun and engage me in a alternative meditative way. And I say that because a lot of people think of meditation as just like sitting in posture and, you know, being in alignment. And the reality is there are better ways to reach that space of non-thinking And that's by playing things that you love. And for me, rock climbing, it's when I'm on the wall, it's me in the wall. There's no other way I have to solve the problems. And it's just, it's perfect. So I do those things to really pull myself out of any mental space that I need to be in. Because a lot of times if I start overthinking things on a project that I'm working on, I'll notice frustration start building up. And I'm like, oh, it's time to go and do something completely outside of this. And those are like my two my two main things that I do to keep myself in alignment, uh, making sure that I'm happy. If you're laughing, if you're having fun, you're absorbing good content, you're going to feel that vibrational shift. You're going to feel good on a regular basis. And, and that just kind of everything else falls in line from there. If you feel good, other things start coming to you that feel good. So, and what, and in order to get quality sleep, cause I know this is a topic comes up, what type of things do you do to help get quality sleep? Right. So I do intermittent fasting, which I'm sure, you know, I do uh, typically 18, six hour window and um, that alone. So I stop eating by four o'clock PM. So my body has plenty of time to digest before bedtime. If you go to bed and you're not digested, you're not going to sleep well. It's going to wake you up at night in the middle of the night. And it really assures that if there were any 
any toxins or anything that were processing through processing through your system, they're done before you go to sleep. So you you're more guaranteed an easier night's sleep. The other thing is I don't do electronics past eight o'clock. I turn off everything at least two hours before I'm going to sleep. So then my mind can decompress. I might listen to an audiobook during that point. So then I'm like reeling in information before I go to sleep. So my subconscious can take that in a little bit deeper. And I always do a meditation right before I go to sleep. Uh, I put on, it's usually Joe Dispenza. I really love Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. And so I usually put on Joe Dispenza for 15 minutes before I actually fall into sleep. And those things as well, and hormonal hormonal balancing. Like I have to make sure that my hormones are in check. Otherwise, especially as a female with estrogen dominance, if you, if you find yourself not sleeping throughout like the last two weeks of your cycle, it's usually because of a hormone imbalance. And that's something that I would definitely have checked out. But those things alone can really give you the best quality sleep. And it's super simple to do too. Yeah, no, I love that. And um, not eating too close to bed is, is, is a big one for me. Yeah. It's a big one. I usually try to keep at least three hours um, yeah. before, before I go to sleep. Um, and then, you know, a dark, cool space is always oh great too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I'm like, it's e- fairly easy for us to keep the bedroom dark and cold. Well, dark is easy. We got, you know, those dark shades or light, uh, night out shades, but um, the cool, like ours is between like 60 and 65. We keep our room. Yes. <laughs> so here in San Diego, it it's drops probably... down into the fifties at night okay. and I do use a heater in there. I have my window open. So it's nice and cold. And the reason that that works so well is because you want to be under a cover at that point. And the covers is like that comfort. That's where you can like actually fall into sleep when you have weight on you. And so that's actually like the big reason behind keep your room cold. So you can have that weight on you and it'll, it'll set you into a deeper sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. People are like, you keep your room that cold. I'm like, yeah, we, we um, so, I get so hot when I sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh no, I, I do too. And and we have one of my dogs doesn't always come in the bed, but he probably is like 115 degrees, and he's a little guy. But <laughs> yeah. if he's up next to you, no, no <laughs> chance because it's like he just the heat just comes off. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk a little bit more about. Um, we're getting into the new year, so growth mindset for individuals wanting to maybe make a change in the new year. Um. Let's get a little bit into that. I know we talked uh, a little bit about it already, but what types of things could individuals do to have sort of that growth mindset to set set in like positive actions for the next year? I think one of the first things I would say is to not use the new year as an excuse to do something or not to do something. Just if you're feeling like you want to make a change, regardless of when it is, do it. You know, take one step towards it. Even just researching it is a step towards it. Even just sitting and writing about it is a step towards it and really starting to understand why you want that change to happen. And what happens if you don't do this change, I think is like a really important thing to see yourself out five years from now. If you are still in the situation that you're in currently five years from now, are you going to be happy? And this is career relationships, health. It doesn't matter. Can you see your person, you know, the person that you're with right now, can you see yourself with them in five years If not, that is a clear sign that you need to do something about it. And same with your health. Can you imagine being where you're at five years from now or potentially getting worse knowing that you're not shifting? 
those little things alone, I think that is like one of the biggest like moments of, oh my God, like, no, if I'm here five years from now, I don't want to be here, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's not going to work for me. I can't keep living the same life over and over again. If you're there, tap into it, find out why, find all of your answers for yourself, like understanding your situation as best as you possibly can in order to make those shifts. That's going to help you really take a step forward. And it's going to help you with that momentum because every day, if you think about, do I want to be here five years from now? Oh God, no. Okay. Take that next step. What's the next step? And I think that's a big motivation, a motivating factor for people to really actually step into their new journey. Yeah. I love that. And you you brought up the word momentum. And -hmm. I think that's so key. Like just getting those like small wins right off the bat are so important. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of momentum and making changes for some people, it can be such a change as doing the dishes every night, making sure that the dishes are done every night, starting something as simple as that. I had to do that as an adult because I learned kind of backwards in life. I was pretty spiritually aware and conscious early on in life, but I didn't have the learning the habits of how to be a human, (laughs) you know, I didn't have that role model. So I didn't know what it was like to actually have a clean house until I was like in my mid twenties. And sometimes for certain people, it can be as simple as I'm going to make sure that my dishes are done every night before I go to bed, do that every night, make sure you check it off, put it on your refrigerator, mark it off. It can be something as simple around the house like that, that can really set you into motion of starting to take care of other things. And then that's going to trickle into bigger things. And then it's going to allow you to step into projects that are like, you know, going somewhere and those small steps matter. Like it really does. Yeah. And also too, I think if you can align yourself with one person or a group of people that are where you want to be or um, align with the things that you want to see yourself being, because I think when you, things are done in groups, I used to do group training, uh, back not that long ago, a few years ago, I did it for like 10, 12 years. And it was the community is, you know, I think that's what makes CrossFit so huge is, is that community. It, you know, yes, the workouts, um, you know, I can't say I'm like hundred percent behind CrossFit and a lot of the <laughs> stuff they do, but what makes them successful is that community. And like, um, I think people start the new year and, you know, yeah, they, maybe they join a gym by themselves, but I think if you can find a workout partner or, or a class uh, where other people are doing things, I think that can mm-hmm. be a positive influence. Yeah. An accountability partner is a really great thing to find. If you can find someone who's actually going to stick with it and actually give, give yourself accountability successes or rewards, you know, like, okay, like if I don't do this, I have to take you out to this really fancy restaurant It's going to be expensive, right? Like give yourself a reason to actually stick to the accountability with your partner. And those things do help big time. What are your thoughts on tracking? Like, uh, is this something that you, well, I know you don't do one-on-one coaching anymore, but, or for yourself, do you track certain things? I mean, there's so many of these trackers now, like with the aura ring and for sleep and, and, you know, calories and this and that, do you do any tracking or anything? I track my, my calorie intake because I needed to gain weight Yeah, and I was not eating enough food for a good chunk of time. And so I was constantly exhausted. So I do, I still count my calories but more than that, the reason I'm still doing that is because it actually, it's Carb Manager. I don't know if you've ever heard of that app, but it's for people on keto. And I do, I follow the keto plan as best as I can. And within it, it actually has all of your micronutrients listed. 
And so you can actually see what you're getting regularly and what you're not and what you need to supplement. And so I still do that to make sure like, okay, I'm not getting enough vitamin B today. I need to make sure I take my drops. Right. And so I'm not constantly overdoing my supplements because my God, how many people are taking way more supplements than they need to, you know, but so I track those and I track my financial goals for the week. Yeah. Right. Because I want to know like, okay, what more do I need to step into in order to make this goal happen? But I don't, it's not like this hard, like, okay, then like, if you don't do this, (laughs) like you're a failure, it's more of just seeing how I can continue growing and implementing new tactics into like, okay, next, next week, I want to make 10,000, this, whatever, whatever it is, right. Just making sure that I'm taking those steps to get there at some point. Yeah. And going back to tracking calories, I'm curious, what, what were you, what were you, would you find yourself eating, uh, as far as calories? And then what, what have you grown towards? Cause I think this is an issue. I, Actually, I don't think I know it is with a, a lot of women. I, I don't work with, I mainly work with men, but I do know plenty of women who probably undereat. Right. And for me, it wasn't even like a, I was trying to get fit or anything. It wasn't like this. I just was eating what I felt was adequate at a certain point. And I was eating maybe like 1600, 1700 calories. Oh, that's, I thought you were going to say less, but. <laughs> oh no. I mean, but for me, like I. I ended up having to jump up to 2,500 calories Mm. for a few months to get myself back up to weight. And now I'm about 2,200 is my baseline for every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't think I'm I'm small, just so you know, I'm I'm a petite person. (laughs) Yeah. And and let me tell you a lot of like 1,600 then to 2,500 for some people that that's difficult to do. Um, And, uh, but I think it's, is important to track at least initially, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, you, I, you know, I'm not going to say calories are the end all. I do think they play a role, but I, I if, if you don't know where you're at, you know, how do you sort of uh, understand like where you want to go? Yeah. You know, I actually used to have like resistant to checking calories until I realized how many people didn't actually understand them and how important that your, the calorie intake is, um, whether you need higher or lower. And I started realizing like a lot of my clients, they're easily overshooting and not realizing how dense certain foods that they were eating were. Mm. And I was like, okay, there, there really is something to calories. Like I finally was like, I gave into it. I was like, okay, yeah. there's something to it, but you're, you're right. It's not the end all be all, but it is something that when you, when you can start just like observing what the calories are, you start learning like, okay, these are regular foods that I eat. And now I know what these are. And you begin to understand like, certain things are going to have way more weight than others. And then you don't have to be so, you know, obsessive about it, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And, and do you find it difficult to get in 2,200 calories in uh, your short eating window that you have? No, not okay. at all. No, okay. because I eat very nutrient dense food, right? I mean, a big portion of my meal is meat. And so that's, you know, that counts up pretty quickly. Yeah. And then I have a couple of other things that I add in and it, it's, I have like four foods that I eat in the morning and it adds me there. So it's not difficult. What foods do you eat? You so eat? right now, like my breakfast was, uh, about 12, 13 ounces of chicken with a piece of keto bread, macadamia nut butter on top, which is one of the absolute best things. If you need to boost your calories and your fat intake, macadamia nut butter is the way to go. <laughs> do you make and it I yourself? Also, do you make it yourself? I'm just curious. No, okay, no. Okay. I order it from, there's a company on Amazon that has a raw. Okay. I think I know that one. 
Yeah. Yes. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And then I just have a little, uh, literally a third cup of uh, keto granola with okay. a little bit of, um, what is it? Hazelnut milk. Okay. Literally that's it. a third of that. And that all brings me to a thousand calories, a little over a thousand mm-hmm. calories just for breakfast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Super uh, simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you do maybe more of a, a breakfast and a lunch, maybe a light third meal around four and then you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So I ate early today just because I was going to be on this and then I climb afterwards. So I ate before this, but usually I eat around 10 and then again, at like right before four. And then climbing. I'm curious. I've something that I've talked about getting into. How did, how long have you been climbing for? Six years. Okay. Yeah. And I highly recommend it. You know, I think talking about the mind shit, the mind shift, <laughs> uh, the mind shit, the yeah. mind shift, uh, mot- like going into rock climbing is one of the best ways to shift your mindset. And that's because it really pulls you into a mental space as well. You have to overcome the mental aspect as much as the physical. And it's one of those things I always recommend people. If you have a fear towards something, move into it. Like as long as it's not like something deadly, right? But for myself, I was afraid of heights. And that's why I started climbing. I was like, okay, let's move through this. Like, And I don't have an external fear to anything at this point. Like I love spiders. I'll pick them up. I'll take them out. And I used to have a thing with spiders, you know, when I was younger, but moving into those fears really sets you on a whole new level. And you start seeing things from different perspectives and climbing is just one of the best ways to get so many fears out at once Mm. and really tapped into a completely different brain mechanism is really what it comes down to because of how you have to use your brain in multiple different ways as you're climbing up the wall, the problem solving, the getting over the mental fear of it all, your body starts shaking. There's so much that your body's working through in that moment. And it's the good stressor, right? We talk about stress as being good and bad. And this one really stresses your body in a very positive way. Yeah. Uh, in Chicago, though, I probably I probably have to go to an indoor facility. for. Oh, well, yeah, I, I climb at an indoor facility. Here. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, we don't. Unfortunately, we don't have mountains here. I just moved from Boulder, Colorado, where oh. I climbing out my back door, like left and right. But here there's no, you have to, it's indoor climbing. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I stop, definitely something I'm going to start doing a little bit and I've, I've done it a little bit, but, and it, I know it's difficult. Um, probably helps to be petite. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually that's not true. Okay. You, you probably have more reach. So things, uh, a, lot of, a lot of things are easier for people who are taller when they're climbing. I, I have to try to figure out better ways to get there when I don't have just being able to reach. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, pros and cons to both, right? If you're exactly. a little bit, if you're a little bit lighter and nimble probably helps, you know, rather, but if you're bigger, you got a longer reach. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this is great. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for your course. It'll also be on your website, right? It is. Yeah. That's actually where you go to the, uh, hit the pre-launch at this point. It's the course is going to be on a separate page, but right now you can book the pre-launch on my website. Okay. Lynnrivers.com. Yes. And that's L-I-N-N rivers.com. Okay. I see it right now. Oh, 50 bucks. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a good deal. <laughs> I made it so people do not have an excuse. Like learn about your body, learn about your health. You have absolutely no excuse when it's $50, even the original price of two fifty. dollars like I, yeah. and you can after pay and make payments on it. No one has the excuse. 
Like I was charging clients $3,000 because of everything that had to go in to working one-on-one with people. And I just wanted everyone to have access to this. So it's like 50 bucks, no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> no excuses. Um, yeah. I, well, I will, we'll finish. I typically ask this question to all my interviewers. Uh, if you were going to give one tip to someone that wanted to get their body or mind back to what it once was, maybe 10, 15 years ago, what, what one tip would you give them? Join my course. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but really, it's there's a lot of information in there. But I think right now, my biggest tip to people is eating lower carbs. And I'm not saying that you have to go extreme. I'm not an extremist on diets. I don't, you know, hand out diet plans. But the one thing that is important to know is that 50% of Americans at this point, adult Americans, either have diabetes or are pre-diabetic. And we we've just become a culture of eating way more carbs than our body tolerates. And that is the main cause of so many conditions at this point in our existence. And so really work on eating higher qualities of fat and protein and make carb just a, a side of your meal plan. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks Lynn. This was great. Um, lynnrivers.com. I'll put a link in the show notes and, um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day. 